Hello and welcome to Rebels Rebels, the bonus D&D episodes. This is episode zero, not quite the first episode of our Star Wars D&D explorations. We just wanted to explain what we will be doing, how the game works, and give you a little background on one of our characters to set the scene. It's going to take place at the end of the episode. So this is kind of more of an exploratory episode of what we're doing, why we're doing it. And for those of you who aren't familiar with D&D, Dungeons and Dragons, um, we're going to unpack that a little bit because it's really fun, really silly and really stupid, but really fun. With me today, as always, is Peter. Peter, how are you doing? What's up? I'm doing good. I'm excited for this. Yeah. It'll be nice. We're going to try to explain a little bit what we're doing, like you said. And I think, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, when I first heard it, because I'm not very experienced, it felt very intimidating to me. But the more I learn, I think it is actually pretty accessible and fun. And I think this will be a really cool thing for old and new fans of the dice-based rolling game. Yeah, exactly. And this episode, it's just going to be me and Peter before we launch into our two guests who will be consistently with us throughout our D&D campaigns. But um, just a little background. I have been playing Dungeons and Dragons in the closet since middle school and high school. (laughs) I had two groups of friends, one who I never told I did this to because they were, I thought I'd be judged. Then I had another group of friends who I'd played D&D with and just... I wanted to give you this memory I have of playing D&D and why it's so close to my heart. My first car I ever had was a 1971 VW bus. It was a Westphalia. Cool car. Yeah. I think it was. And That's inside sweet. of my bus, there was a kitchen table with four people could sit around. Me and two of my friends would drive, or three of my friends, so there's four of us, we would drive this to the top of one of the hills in the town we lived in and look out over the bay area and on this kitchen table at night play D D. totally secluded cool views dark we'd bring a little candle we got real romantic and we would play D &D. sounds like witchcraft to me it was basically nerd (laughs) witchcraft um and and that's where my love for D D started so I want to explain Dungeons and Dragons. It's a role-playing game about storytelling in worlds of swords and sorcery. And we're just going to bring that into Star Wars. So it's going to become a world of lightsabers and the Force. D&D is driven by imagination. It's about picturing a hellfire dragon devastating a quiet village or a necromancer raising a horde of mindless undead soldiers in the midst of a long-awaited noble wedding, and imagining how a fantasy adventurer might react to the challenges that scene presents. So the dungeon master, or the DM, might set the stage for their players, and I'll explain that a little bit. The dungeon master might say something like, after traveling the streets of Nar Shaddaa, You find yourself at the entrance of the Black Sun compound. Security cameras scan the surrounding area and a uh, a bunch of bored-looking guardsmen wait impatiently by the door. Two Twi'lek urchins plead for handouts from the Black Sun mercenaries only to be yelled at and pushed away. A shimmering barrier covers the entrance to the compound with a manned security console 
on its left side. The DM kind of leaves it there. Maybe a player suggests, well, I want to talk my way into the compound, so I approach the guards. Another player might suggest, eh, we should just throw a grenade and shoot at them. So unlike a game of make-believe, D&D gives structure to the stories, a way of determining the consequences of the adventurer's actions. Players would roll a dice to resolve whether their attacks hit or miss, or whether the adventurers can scale a cliff or roll away from the strike of a force, force wielder, or even talk their way into a compound. Anything is possible, but the dice makes some outcomes more probable than others, and the DM can always set the difficulty challenge, or DC, of any task, usually between 0 and 30. So the DM might say to those players, okay, one at a time, so you're approaching the guardsman, and the, a player might say, yeah, do they seem like they're doing anything? They're kind of like checking out the situation. And the DM would say, well, make a wisdom check which means the player would roll their 20-sided dice, or D20, to see how perceptive they are. And then the player rolls, and ugh, they got a 7. But with their perception skill of 3, it goes to 10. So it's kind of in the middle. So the DM would then decide, based on the difficulty challenge they had in their mind before the roll, how perceptive the player is to what's going on. So the DM might say, you see a couple of them crouching over the ground, but you can't see what they're doing. Okay, so the players can also talk to each other about what they do before they act, but the DM can ultimately decide when something is about to happen happen, and force action to move the game along a little more quickly. In Dungeons & Dragons game, each player gets to create an adventurer, also called a character, and teams up with other players, other people, um, who also control characters. Players control their own characters, but the dice and the DM decides the limit of what they can do. One player, however, takes on the role of Dungeon Master or DM. For these games, I'm going to be doing that. They become like this lead storyteller and the referee, basically. And the DM creates adventures for the characters who navigate its hazards and decide which paths to explore. So it's an open world if characters don't want to go on the adventure and they want to turn around and go into the tavern, they could do that. <laughs> it might eliminate the, uh, you know, you could do a real mundane version, I guess. The game has no real end. When one story or quest wraps up, another one can begin, creating an ongoing story called the campaign. Many people who play the game keep their camp campaigns going for months or even years meeting with their friends every week so they can pick up where the story left off. That's what we're going to be doing in these episodes. Mm -hmm. The campaign's going to continue and grow. And lastly, in D&D, there is no winning or losing. Um, you can die. You, your character can, can be wiped out, and you might have to start a new character from level one, maybe, um, which is a bummer. But together, the DM and the players create the story the villains, the arc, everything is fluid, anything can change. So it's pretty simple, and these rules are all set. We're actually using a handbook that was awesome. It's this awesome 5e, which is the 5th edition handbook. Yeah, um, we're using this really cool conversion of the 5th edition by someone named Galifile. That's G-A-L-I-P-H-I-L-E. 
Google him because he has a Patreon. So if you really like what we're doing, we couldn't have done it without this conversion. So if you're a D&D fan, check out his Patreon and maybe subscribe and help him support some more cool D&D efforts. Yeah, he's he's and he's always updating it. Um, he did a lot of work, so definitely support him. We're going to be supporting his Patreon. Yeah. He's freaking cool. He put a lot of work. I'm looking at his Patreon right now, and it's freaking awesome, actually. Yeah. So that's basically a really quick and dirty explanation of Dungeons & Dragons, the edition we are using, and the rules we are going to be following. Um, so if you're new to D&D, hopefully this helped a little bit. If you are new to D&D and this seems intimidating, don't worry too much. The episodes we're releasing are really silly and fun and more um, lighthearted than serious. So you can just kind of jump in here and have fun with us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're thinking, so that's kind of a quick explanation of D&D. I am really excited to jump into this, but we thought maybe it would be good to give you an example of what a very mini kind of brief campaign would be like and what the episodes are going to kind of be like. So why don't we get into that? Does that sound good to you, Mike? That sounds great. Let's just jump into it. Cool. So let's start with one introduction of one of our great heroes. We'll go back in the time machine and learn his origin Ooh, story. Here we How go. does that sound? As a youngling, Bruce was plucked from the farmlands of Chandrilla and placed in the Jedi Academy by Master Kit Fisto, who sensed in Bruce a great potential. Although he was already older than most young Jedi admitted into the temple's training program, Bruce learned quickly. No student was more focused or passionate about their apprenticeship than Bruce. Fellow Padwans climbed through the ranks. Some became knights, but Bruce, ever the dedicated optimist, progressed not even a little. <laughs> <laughs> Years had fallen from the calendar, and Bruce did not waver in his excitement for life and the way of the Jedi, but to no avail or promise. By the age of 10, Bruce had still not progressed and was beginning to outgrow his Padwan bunk bed. <laughs> oh. So the masters decided to give him one final push, sending him on a nature retreat to Kashyyyk, where he might focus on his leadership skills and hone his connection to the living force. Mm. Bruce was elated with the task. Although he was very young when he left, Bruce still remembers the last words his mother ever said to him. Baby Bruce, our family has always passed down a tale. A family prophecy promising a great warrior of Randall blood will come, be born, and bring peace to our planet and honor the Randall name. You are the foretold promise, Bruce. You will be the greatest Jedi warrior of all time. Beautiful. And then she spit in a bucket and asked Kit Fisto for a couple bucks to take the gravity train home. Mm. So... That is where the last memory Bruce has of his mother. He's on his way to this nature retreat and trying to just figure some stuff out. But then something happens. Bruce is 10 years old. You are on a Jedi-like cruiser with a 
a chaperone, an intern named Beck. He is not a full-on clone trooper. He's just an intern because no <laughs> Jedi Knights or clone troopers could be spared during this elevated period of war. So uh, no one could kind of chaperone Bruce. So you got this intern oh. named Beck with him. Yeah. So Bruce is playing with a clone trooper utility pack he found like in a restroom on uh, the base of Coruscant. Someone mm-hmm. left it there. Who knows? And Beck is kind of pacing nervously on this cruiser. And they discuss the journey and wonder what Kashyyyk is like. Um, and then Beck says, isn't there a battle on Kashyyyk? Is this even safe? Do you, And why do you have that utility pack? You're going to get in trouble, man. Oh, we're, just don't worry about it. We're going to a quiet part of the planet and we should be safe. Master Yoda wouldn't lead me into danger. And don't worry about this junk. I can't even figure out how to turn this stuff on. It's probably broken. That's why I found it lying. Or At that moment, the communicator fizzles to life with a chirp. A blue hollow projection of Chancellor Sheev Palpatine donned in a black hooded robe flickers to life. Bruce and Beck stare at it in horror, and Bruce is shaking. And then Sheev speaks. Commander Deuces, it's time to... Wait, who are you? Uh, uh, I'm like looking at the communicator shaking still. Um, I- I'm Commander Deuces' valet? Well, put him on the line. I, I, I can't. Why? Our ship has, uh, bro- broken down? Uh, he's, like, looking around frantically and looks at back for some ideas, but doesn't get any. Uh, he's doing a spacewalk right now to repair the damage. He w- he won't be in for maybe 20 minutes. He, he can call you back? And Bruce, like, shakes his head finally. <laughs> like, er, no, yeah. that's a bad idea. Uh, and he goes, Ugh, no, that will not do. I have so many calls to make <laughs> today. And he's just, like, so pissed off. Yeah. And you can see him, like, tapping his foot. Okay, <laughs> just tell Commander Deuces when he gets back, execute order 66. Uh, Bruce is pretending to write something down. Uh, okay. Execute order 66. Got it, sir. Ugh. And you should see, he just kind of like hangs up. Like, <laughs> obviously knows his kid's an idiot and not going to happen. Yeah. So Bruce is like stressed and like throws the communicator down. And it's like, order 66. Uh, I wonder what that means. Okay. And then you hear a loud clang and your ship shakes really violently. And Beck runs to the control console and yells, we're being boarded. A ship has attached to our cargo hold. And the crew, like the small crew on your ship, mm-hmm. runs back to the cargo hold in time to see a circle of flames cutting through metal. It's a laser cutter is making its way through the hole of this Jedi cruiser. Mm-hmm. And Beck pulls out his cadet pistol. He doesn't have a full-on pistol. Remember, he's just a little intern and says, what do you think, pirates? I don't I don't know, but I think they mean business. So I pull out and ignite a pad one training lightsaber. I have two real lightsabers in my room, but I'm too nervous to think straight, so it's like this little short, like, wussy green lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to do so well. Okay. <laughs> the flaming circle gives way to a hole, and Republic troopers board your ship, and the crew starts to, like, stand down and, like, put their hands up, um, but everyone's puzzled, like, they don't know why, because mm-hmm. they're supposed to be on the same team, and then a trooper who's just boarded says, stand down, youngling. This is an illegal Jedi cruiser, and any Jedi on board are now under arrest for treason. Wait, an illegal Jedi cruiser? What, what do you What do you mean? The Jedi are honorable and noble. You can't do this. All right, so when you say that, he kind of starts looking around like he's confused, and he says, Wait, where are the Jedi? Is this kid a Jedi? Okay, grab him. <laughs> All right, so 
he doesn't <laughs> believe you're a Jedi. Um, yeah. okay. Roll initiative. I got a one. <laughs> Net 20. All right, so <laughs> the trooper goes first. So here's what the trooper's going to do. Okay. Um, he's going to grapple Bruce. Go ahead, give me an, uh, an opposing strength test. Okay, so I got a four, but I have no stats for the yeah. middle child. Bruce. Doesn't matter. He has so, an 18. Okay. Cool. Um, <laughs> so trooper grabs Bruce. Beck holds up his pistol. I'm going to. AC. That's for Beck. Shoots. Nope. Beck missed. Beck, no! And then back to this trooper. The other the second trooper. Don't do something dumb, Beck! Now, 20 again. Beck is knocked unconscious by a trooper. Oh, no, my friend! Yeah, so Beck didn't do so well in that little fight there. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, okay, back to Bruce. Okay, uh, so I'm grappled, right? Yeah, you are grappled right now. Okay, so I want to roll to break the grapple. Okay, yeah, yeah, so you're not restrained, you're grappled, so go ahead and let's do opposing strength test. Okay. Nat 20. <laughs> yeah, what? Yeah! He got an 18, so with a nat 20, I'm going to say you don't even need to use an action to break this grapple. Sick. So you can break this grapple, and I'm going to go ahead and let you um, use one of your actions as well. All right. Okay, so my 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 action. I'm gonna just attack with my lightsaber, and I got a one. All right, you miss. You don't make that AC class. <laughs> uh, it does nothing more than we'll say it just stings the leg of a trooper. He pushes back and lands on his butt while the other troopers make fun of him. Oh, and he goes, look at him. He's playing dress up. He's not. That's not even a real lightsaber. <laughs> All right, um, back to you, Bruce. Okay, um, so. I get uh, I I get enraged. Um, I get two actions, so I get enraged. I get up and I'm reaching down in the depths of my soul. I'm clenching my fists. I know that this is the one time the force won't fail me, and so the, I'm reaching with all my willpower down into everything. And I extend my arm out and try to force push the troopers back into the hole they came from. And I got a two. All right, so nothing happens. <laughs> Troopers still just laugh at Bruce as he stands there with his oh. arms extended, looking like he's just doing color guard. And I'm like crying so yeah, hard. You're just, just crying. Like I can't see anything. Just, there's just like so many tears down my face right now. Nothing happens. And one of the troopers even looks at <laughs> him and goes, Oh, how cute. It doesn't look like there's any Jedi here, boys. And But they, they're going to grab you anyway. So they say, Let's grab him and take any evidence. We can see what he knows. So uh, Bruce gets arrested and brought on to the trooper transport. All the while, Bruce is shouting about how his mom says he'll be the greatest Jedi that ever lived. Oh, I am a Jedi! You gotta believe me, my mom says I'm gonna be the greatest Jedi that ever lived! I don't, I don't, I don't even know, know if I believe go. Bruce is a Jedi. <laughs> well, I'm excited to see a little more about Bruce Randall and mm -hmm. how he grows throughout this campaign and how he grows with his fellow adventurers. Yeah, I hope he grows because he seems kind of lame. I don't really know what I did. <laughs> if he's going to survive, I'm going to say he needs to grow because he's not going to do too well. No. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And if you want, stay tuned for a little sneak peek of episode one. It's coming here in just a few seconds. We're yeah, going to give you the episode. We'll yeah. give you a little preview of our other two characters. Yeah. Um, yeah. So here is a uh, here's a short clip from episode one that's going to be debuting shortly after episode zero. This episode premieres. 
Yep. And thanks so much for holding on during the hiatus. I promise we'll be doing some fun stuff. As always, you can check us out at rebelsrebelspod at gmail.com, on Instagram, on Twitter. Please chat with us and check out some of the other bonus episodes. We just did a really fun one with our contest winner, Sam, talking (laughs) about Kyber Crystals and Hondo Anaka. And we also talked a little bit about our plans over the hiatus there as well. So thanks for your continued support. I'm excited to try some new things and just roll some dice with my friends. <laughs> Let's roll them dice. All right. So we're going to dive into some Star Wars D&D here. So um, let's start um, with a little bit of character background. Crystal, can you tell us a little bit about your character before we get in? Oh my gosh, I I, I have to start. Cool. You're on the you're on the spot. Yeah, great. You, um, you are definitely the most prepared. So my character's name is Ashana Tag, um, and yes, I'm very excited about her. Actually, I love creating characters, but this one was exceptionally fun for me, only because I've never done a Star Wars one before. So I got to pick all the things that I wanted from. Star Wars, but I knew I didn't want to have the force just because I love mm-hmm. the characters in Star Wars that don't. So she's 30 years old. She's five, six with an, a medium size with green eyes. She's a female um, with brown hair and her most striking feature are her green eyes. But other than that, she's a blank canvas. She doesn't really stick out in anyone's mind, which was kind of frustrating for her when she was growing up. But as she got older, it was something that actually helped her in her career path that I'll get to in a moment. So she was born into the Tagco family. And that is if anyone knows, Cassio Tag is the guy that's in uh, A New Hope that's like, the rebels will continue to gain us support. From that, he's all angry. <laughs> oh, with that was excellent. Best Crystal. haircut. Yeah. Yeah. Please tell me your character has the same haircut. <laughs> I want that bowl cut. She doesn't, but her oh. cousin does because her cousin's oh. the one that wants to take over the family business. She tag. Yes. <laughs> oh no. His uh, first name's Tag as well. His name is Tag Tag. It's <laughs> very, very strange family. So she doesn't really want to be a part of the family because uh, back when she was younger. Uh, her uncle and father called all the shots, and one day they called for them to flatten her best friend's village just oh because they were uh, sure that there was a resource there, but there wasn't. So she, and then when she was a teenager, she started trying to, you know, ruin the things the family was doing and sabotage things without them knowing. And eventually these acts she were doing were picked up by uh, the Bounty Hunters Association. Um, from her planet and they ended up teaching her how to use her uh, status and ability to blend in for good. Yeah, she started learning how the company worked like from her family's company so she could start taking people down from the inside. And a bounty hunter named Raz Gan taught her how to use her status, like I said, but he disappeared on a mission three years ago and she's been looking for him ever since. Ooh, ooh, a little bit of a mystery. Yeah. Oh, and she's been arrested 11 times, but she always gets <laughs> bailed out by a person she's never met called, uh, the code name is Intoto. Um, oh. So it's semi-autobiographical then. Exactly, yes. I <laughs> wanted to make it as much like me, except for the fact that I am not nondescript. I have a very uh, gorgeous and... <laughs> 
this is one thing about podcasting. I could say however I look. And if <laughs> yeah. no one looks me, looks me up on Google, I'm very exotic looking. Once I walk <laughs> mm, into yeah. a room, it's incredibly striking. People are like, wow, who is that? Did so, someone just turn a light on? Who's that guy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where did he come from? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so she's a, a linguist operative and uh, like her feet is linguist. So she knows six languages. Um, she's proficient in forgery and acrobatics and all things deception, intimidation, performance, and oh persuasion. Damn. Also, oh sleight of hand and stealth, this sneaky bee. <laughs> skill jockey. Was that enough? Damn. That was yeah, so dis Shana. disjointed and all over the place. I hope you guys can get the. <laughs> oh, we see it. We get yeah. the picture. Yeah, the fear of my lady. Milady. Milady. Well, that is, that's a Shauna tag for you. Um, Chris, why don't you tell us a little bit about your character? Oh, okay. I, you know, I'll, I'll won't tell you about him. I'll let him tell you about himself. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> uh, Isai, take it away. Oh, hello. I did not see you there. My name is Isai Burieta. But my friends just call me Diego Alejandro Isai Luis Garcia Jeffrey Burieta Zenteno Espinosa. <laughs> I, I am a six and a half foot tall, 260 pounds of pure Cathar sensuality. What is a Cathar, you ask? Well, good question. Let's just say that for senior superlative, I was voted best looks like a cross between Scar from The Lion King and Macavity from the musical Cats. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> Keep them coming. <laughs> While my class may be barbarian, I assure you that I am a perfect gentleman, a true caballero. I have spent my life on my homeworld, Cathar. My wife, Katia, and I share the role of chieftains of our clan. Ours is one of many who live in a colossal city tree, or at least we did, until a band of maldito Mandalorian slavers took us by surprise. <laughs> and who they didn't kill, they took prisoner. Katia and I were captured and separated. I was sold, then escaped, and then captured by imperial authorities. Now I have no idea where I am or what became of my beloved. It really sucks to be me right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that you're using this voice right now. <laughs> yeah. Me too. <laughs> I, I, think, I think back on Cathar, it's just uh it's just a mishmash of accents everywhere. So I love that. yeah, I think I think it's free game. Some people are from the Bronx. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> After absolutely. I have a cousin Vini. <laughs> 